Welcome to the Ignite Physio Podcast. This is episode number six, and I'm your host, Andrew Kopian. This podcast focuses on helping Canadian physiotherapists in their clinical practice and careers. Now, if you haven't heard of Ignite Physio before, it's a free, community-driven website for physiotherapists where you can ask and answer practice questions, find useful articles, and access a data bank of reviewed clinical resources. In today's episode, I interview Shelley Prosco. She's a physiotherapist and a professional yoga therapist and Pilates instructor from Red Deer, Alberta. She also runs workshops on physio yoga for health professionals. We have some great discussion on persistent pain, physio yoga, and more. I hope you enjoy. So today I'd like to introduce you to Shelly Prosco. Uh, she's a licensed uh, physiotherapist and professional yoga therapist, and she's been integrating yoga and physiotherapy since 1998. She has her physical therapy degree from the University of Saskatchewan, medical therapeutic yoga training and Pilates certification, and also her pain care yoga certification through Life Is Now. Shelly, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is great what you're doing here, Andrew. Yeah. So obviously, I've given a really high-level uh, overview and introduction. So I'd love for you to provide a little bit more of a uh, background and who you are and what you're up to and passionate about. Yeah. So um, I don't know how much detail you want, but I basically started. Um, I'll give you some history. I started practicing yoga in the early '90s, and um, just for the physical benefits and kind of because it was trendy and popular and all celebrities were doing it. And I thought, yeah, this, this looks like it's something that can keep me healthy and fit. And, um, and then I started teaching. I was a fitness instructor and I, and um, always sort of been involved in movement. I used to figure skate and dance and all that. And then got into physical therapy school, uh, graduated, like you said, in 98 and so the yoga came first, and then so immediately after I graduated um, from from physio school, I started incorporating yoga poses. I worked at uh, long term care, so I was mostly um, you know doing it with the residents there. Uh, I would do like for example balance group, you know, three times a week, and I would it basically turned into like a, a yoga kind of class. Um, and, and then I moved around a little bit. I worked in the States and outpatient orthopedic setting and was still incorporating just the physical yoga poses, what I thought. So I had no formal training in medical therapeutic yoga yet, but was just, you know, using my physical therapy knowledge and, and thinking, oh, this, this would be good for, you know, this, this person or this diagnosis and kind of making it up as I went along. And then, um, and then as my own yoga practice, my personal practice started to, to deepen, um, I started realizing this is not just about the physical movement. There's, yes, there's breathing, but there's yoga philosophy and there's meditation. And, and my own practice started deepening, and that just naturally infiltrates into my life and into my work. And, um, and then I, there just came a point, and I thought, I want to do this more. And I didn't, no one else, you know, that I knew was doing it. And I just thought, I'm going to, I'll just be a yoga teacher. You know, I'll quit physio and um, and I'm just going to do the yoga thing and help people that way. And then, and no kidding, like just, it was like a week later, um, I got a brochure in the mail that said, Medical Therapeutic Yoga for Healthcare Professionals. It was a formal training program. And um, I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> thanks. That's uh, exactly what I was looking for. So, um, so that's kind of the history. 
And um, ever since then, it just started to really evolve, you know, after the formal training program, then I was much more clear as to, oh, okay, this is how I, how I can do it. You have support from other people that are confused like you as to how to do it. And, and, um, and I guess, so that was back in 2004. And so now you had asked kind of what I'm doing now, now, um, well, five, about four or five years ago, I, uh, I left the uh, private practice. I was an patient orthopedics um, since 2000. So yeah, for about 11 years or so. Um, and so I left that and just started my own thing. So I just call it my brand as physio yoga, but um, I'm a physical therapist and we do physical therapy and it's just the tools in my toolkit. And I use the different methods of the medical therapeutic yoga in my work. And, and then I also travel around and I teach. So I'm teaching other physical therapists and healthcare professionals how to do um, you know, what I do or how to integrate yoga. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And, w- and what do you see as the benefits of uh, tying the physio and yoga together? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, the benefits. That's a big question, I know. Yeah, no, it's good. That's why we're here. This is what everybody wants to know. Um, just want to try to say it concisely. And um it's just, it's such a great combination. Like us physical therapists, we're really honestly the best people to be, to be integrating yoga, I think, um, and using it for specific health concerns. Uh, benefits, you know, we talk about the biopsychosocial approach, right? That's such a buzzword the last few years. And, and, and us physical therapists, I think we're, you know, we're, we're really good at that. You know, we're very compassionate and, um, we look at the whole person and we look at their relationships and, you know, we ask, we look at their cognitive function and their emotional mental health. And, you know, we, we take that into consideration, but then like, what do we really do with it? Like, do you know what I mean? We assess and we kind of know and, oh yes, that person's having trouble at home or at work and, oh, look at their attitude. And so we know that's affecting their rehab or their or their movement, right? If they're fearful or anxious, um, we know that, oh, if we could just get them more calm, we'd be able to get them to move better and function better. Um, so innately, we know that, but I don't think we, as physios, we have, we can do better, like as far as what tools we have to help. And that's what I love about the yoga. Like the med- there's different meditation techniques, tons of different breathing techniques, all within our scope of practice. We can help people how to breathe and do get take them through a body scan you know mindful or call it whatever you want a body scan mindfulness awareness practice um, improving interoception which we're knowing now how important interoceptive awareness can be for pain management and um, so I guess yeah for your question why why the yoga the benefits it just it really we want to look at the whole person we want to treat the person and not the diagnosis and yoga just has so many tools available that can really help us help us do that. Would you say that you follow a particular uh, stream of yoga, or um, or would you say that this medical therapeutic yoga sort of captures a few of these different uh, types of yoga? Um, yeah. So I there, I don't follow one particular yoga style or one particular yoga lineage. Um, the medical therapeutic yoga program is non-dogmatic. So same thing. It's not, 
um, you know, following a certain lineage. Um, there are certain algorithms in the program uh, that you can that you use as a guide, um, but for the most part, you know, you're you're taking what I'm doing. I mean, we're all going to be different. Each each one of us, and when I say us, like us physios that incorporate yoga, we're all going to be very different. Um, what I do is I take what I've learned in the formal medical therapeutic yoga program, but I can't not also take what I've learned the decade plus before that, right, from my other yoga trainings and my own personal yoga practice. So, you know, I bring it all all in together. And the one thing, though, that I that I really like about the medical therapeutic yoga program is it really keeps everything evidence informed, right? So we're we're really speaking to the healthcare professional. So I'll give you an example in some yoga lineages. And I respect, by the way, the you know, all the ancient yoga traditions and, and wisdom and um but when you're using it with your physical therapy license, your hat on, you know, you want to make sure you're within your scope of practice and and, you know, following best evidence. And um so for example, they'll in the yoga tradition, in the yoga world, they may say that any kind of twist, like spinal rotation, you know, detoxifies the liver, you know, and, and that's just, that's not, you know, evidence-based. That just, it, it just doesn't happen. So it's, it's just language and it's things like that. And I'll, I'll still do ro- rotations and twists for a whole host variety of reasons, but, you know, I'm not going to, to tell the patient or document that it's for detoxifying the liver. <laughs> So, um, I don't, yeah, so, um, I guess to your question, I, I don't follow a specific lineage or style, um, but I take, you know, just everything that I've learned over the years and then I follow, um, much of the medical therapeutic yoga, uh, training. Great. So in terms of your current practice, are you uh, seeing a particular type of patient or patients that are just in a more, you know, persistent pain syndromes or what, what type of patients are you typically seeing nowadays? Um, I right now mostly see people that are looking for, um, a new approach to their, to their healing or even just their health and wellness. So, it's, I see all kinds. I mean, yes, there's a lot of persistent pain for the complex population, but I, I just actually saw someone that had a, um, MCL, ACL repair. And, um, yeah, they, they wanted to come to me. So I, I don't see as many of those acute, um, cases, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you, really, it's just, it's just, it's more the type of person that I see rather than the, you know, what kind of diagnosis I'm seeing. And I'm just seeing people that, you know, they're, they're, in, they've heard about, oh, there's this medical, there's this yoga therapy, this medical therapeutic yoga, and she's a physio. And so it's mostly just people who are really interested in, in looking at a whole, a really holistic way of, of, you know, of, of rehabbing. Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question, but I see, I've, I see about, uh, I would say the range, uh, ages. I've seen some, uh, children like 10, 11, 12 years old, but mostly I would say I'm seeing people 25 years old to 80 years old. That would be my, you know, the, the age range and a whole host of conditions. Yeah. 
mostly orthopedic though i will say sorry mostly mostly people come to me for orthopedic. yeah great um i was going to just uh sort of jump back uh you know in terms of your uh the intro i know you i had mentioned uh, you know that you have uh, the pilates certification and i was just curious to know what your thoughts were um you know since you have training in both yoga and pilates what your thoughts are on each do you tend to you know lean towards one uh more than the other and um, yeah, I'm just interested to know, cause I think that listeners obviously, you know, uh, you know, would be interested to know what your thoughts are on that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Pilates, I, I love, and as you said, I was, uh, I'm certified in the mat Pilates. So Pilates, they, there's lots of different levels and then you get into the equipment. So, um, I'm just basic mat, um, Pilates certified. And that was, I actually got that before the yoga, um, medical therapeutic yoga training, um, and yeah, I, I, I love it. Um, it's what I, what I find though is, is that I, my whole life and, and, and the way I treat my patients, the way I address my patients, it's, it's more through the yoga. Um, Pilates is more of a, it's a physical fitness system, right? So you're really looking at the physical and yeah, there's different, uh, principles, or philosophy surrounding Pilates, like there is the breathing and you have to concentrate and there's precision and, um, you know, you want to be very centered and control the movement with efficiency. So, I mean, that there's this, obviously there's a, a factor, there's a component of, of the mind. And, and, uh, I think a lot of Pilates instructors will say, yes, it's mind body. Absolutely. And so I, of course it is. Um, with the yoga though, it's not a, a physical fitness system. Um, we think it is because that's what we see, right? The Lululemon, you get on your Lululemon outfit and you go do all the physical poses and you take Instagram photos of yourself. So everyone sees you doing these fancy poses. Um, but that's not yoga. Yoga is a life science. Yoga is a system of health and there's many different paths. Um, so you can do what we do here. Um, you know, in our culture, it's that you, we use the physical poses, the breathing, the meditation. Um, we incorporate philosophy, um, but then there's also other other paths. You can use knowledge, jnana yoga. So we bring that into the sessions as well, and we can translate that. That's you know pain, like for example, patient education, but pain science, right? The, the neuroscience of pain, and we know how important that is. And that would be you know that layer of yoga, the vinyana maya kosha, we call it. it you're you're helping that person through. Uh, their intellectual layer <clears throat> and then there's other paths of yoga you can um, you can use uh, like ser- service so you're you're doing like it's karma yoga so selfless service um, can help you reach that connection to your to yourself and then there's um, through devotion so love basically connection and um and I, I think I should just say here the, the difference with like the Pilates and, and yoga. So the, the, the basic goal really of yoga when it was developed five, six thousand years ago, or the whole purpose of it is, is that union, body, mind, breath, and spirit to, um, connect to something larger. It's not a religion, but it is spiritual, right? It's that connection to your true self or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's, you know, it's something, it's a little deeper when we get philosophical and, and I, and that just spoke to me. Like I said, it's just my life. And, and so when people come see me for their sprained ankle, like they're coming not for me to fix them because they're not broken. 
you know, they're, they're whole. Like, there's that concept in yoga, the person's whole and, and you're just guiding them to, um, to connect with their true self. And, you know, I'm getting, maybe I'm ta- starting to talk a little bit where physios might get a little uncomfortable with, <laughs> you know, the language, but it, you know, it's, I do it, you do it in such a way, like you're not, you know, talking about in this language necessarily with your clients, but I'm just giving you sort of a perspective of difference between yoga and, and Pilates. Yoga is just, you're comparing apples and oranges. Um, but I do use some of the, the Pilates movements um, for sure. I, I use them um, in my, in my sessions. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Cause I know that I was watching one of your uh, videos online and you had, you had made a statement that said, you know, your true innate being and surrounding environment will support your healing. So I think that's sort of, you know, what you're getting at in terms of this concept of wholeness and coaching. Is that right? Am, am I along the right lines there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, when we, when we have an injury, you know, no matter how significant or relatively insignificant it may seem, um, we just, we feel a loss, like I said, or broken or, you know, we're so, and this is where the yoga philosophy comes in. We're so attached to our physical bodies. And, um, you know, for myself, and I know you um, had asked me earlier, you were asking about my Achilles tendon rupture. And I don't know if we'll talk about that if we'll have time. But, you know, I never really had a significant, significant injury until that complete Achilles tendon rupture. And then it just, I just, it was all clear to me, I understood this, this yoga stuff, you know, and what I was doing, because we're just, we're so attached to the body. And then as soon as we are um, uh, compromised in some way, that can affect us mentally and emotionally. Like I couldn't believe how I started to even feel incompetent in areas. And just I had to go do some speaking engagements. And I, my confidence was shaken because I had this big boot cast on. Like it just, I don't know, it, it really... I think our, our, our culture, we're just, we're so attached to the, to the physical body and, um, and we separate all of our different layers. And, and what I mean by that is, is we know, okay, we have the mental health, the emotion, the physical body. We even say body mind connection, right? So they're, it's like they're somehow connected and we don't even realize, well, no, they're not connected. They're just the same thing. Like you can't, you can't separate them and then talk back and forth, right? Like we're, re- no, really, like we're really twisted in our thinking and, um, and, and then spiritual. And, and so we, if we have issues with spirituality, you know, then we go to our spiritual leader or if you are religious, you, you know, then you go to church or you go to your spiritual advisor. And then if you have mental health issues, then you go to your psychologist, physical, you go to your physio, like it's all separated um, which is is great. I'm not saying to get rid of that, but we just we look at it um, well, such a reductionist approach. Um, so I think back to your your question was the the innateness and the surrounding environment and and how that's important for healing. And I just I've witnessed it for so many years. I've now experienced from it for myself um, when your environment is supportive, when you have love around you. Um, you know, your social support system is there. Um, you know, it just, it changes or it can influence your, 
your recovery for sure. And if you want to look into the science of it, um, you know, you can just, you can talk about, um, you know, how a stressful environment that increases that sympathetic nervous system response, um, decreasing the parasympathetic, which we need that parasympathetic system for the tissue repair, um, increase paras- or, sorry, increase sympathetic nervous system. Um, we know can increase those inflammatory markers, and um, you know, and things like that. So we can we could probably go a little bit deeper into that, but I feel like I'm talking sort of in circles maybe right now but um. no i mean i think it's no i think i think it's um i think it's really important what you're saying because i think that often we can lose touch of how much an injury uh and pain can be impacting the patients we're seeing um and we and it's easy when we're seeing you know patient after patient that we almost lose touch with you know what someone's injury or or pain uh is doing in terms of some of these other these other facets right and i think you touched on that in terms of your own issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, I love that, you know, the, that there's going to be a bunch of physiotherapists listening to this because I think we are in such a perfect position to, to really help people, um, you know, address their other layers. So like, and what I mean by that is they're all of them, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and within our scope of practice. And so that's the big thing. You know, I, I think what I hear a lot is physio saying, look, I'm not, you know, a psychologist. I'm not like I'm going to respect their issues that they're having, but I'm going to refer out. And so what I say to that, I mean, absolutely. Like I refer out and work with, um, you know, mental health care professionals, you know, often so that keep doing that. Um, but it's, if you just take, have, here's an example. You have your, your patient in front of you and you want them, what do we want to do? We want them to, we want to help reduce their pain and we want them to move better and function better. Like that's what we want. You look at their list of goals you've set for them and you want to, what can we do to help improve those goals? Well, if they're there in front of you and they're angry and they're fearful and they're anxious and their breath pattern is not optimal, that's going to affect how your session goes. It's going to affect how they move. So it is our responsibility, I think, um, to have more tools in our toolkit to see what can we do to help them release that muscle tension? What can we do to help them calm that breathing down, calm the nervous systems down? Because you need to have a calm nervous system before you can change it. You need to have a calm nervous system. The person needs to feel like they are in a safe place, um, a safe space, before we can start to, like I said, challenge the nervous system and before change can be be made and, um, you know, before we start to really move. And, um, you know, so it, we absolutely need to have, I think, more more tools to learn how to calm people down and help them connect so back to that first thing you said, like the innate helping people, the surrounding environment and helping them connect to their innate being. And, um, you know, through different mindfulness techniques and breathing, you can, you can connect to that person inside you. That's your real you and not your leg. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that you dissociate from your body. In fact, it's the opposite. You increase your awareness and you, be, you become more embodied and you really, um, uh, connect with that, but you're not attached. You, you know, you're something more than that. And, um, you know, that's many, many years of yoga philosophy that I'm trying to just 
quickly, but but I hope you get the sense. Like I think physical therapists, like it, like I said, it's to, what I want. I think the key message is that as physios, um, we're in the perfect position um, because we know how to do this safely. We're we're licensed healthcare professionals, um, so you know we just we are just in a perfect perfect position we're so knowledgeable our expertise our training um and then secondly it is within our scope of practice um you know to to help create a safe space and a safe environment for our patients before yeah before we start um working with them and or i shouldn't say that before we start making challenging their nervous system and and um adding movement and mm-hmm. Yeah, and I um, I know that like just to uh, talk about this uh, idea of you know challenging the nervous system and and uh, encouraging movement in uh, in people that are you know suffering with uh, you know um, you know sort of chronic pain uh, scenarios. There was a conversation on Ignite uh, a little while back um, about you know return to activity for a patient with chronic pain and. Uh, you had talked. You had provided an answer, which was awesome, and uh, and you had talked about uh, working with patients, th- you know, through a daily plan. And I was just wondering if you could expand on that a little bit in terms of what uh, that looks like when you're working with patients. Yeah, so that is from um, Neil Pearson. I think most Canadian physiotherapists will know Neil. Um, so I've uh, trained. Uh, with him, with his program through Life is Now, the pain care yoga. So this is um, what I got from him and um, and what I use with my patients, which is phenomenal. So we can, you know how we have, we write our goals down, which is great. And um, they're smart goals, right? They're, um, and continue to do that. You know, those are very valuable. However, with the persistent pain population, as we know what happens, um, oftentimes is there are many days or even more than days, like with sections perhaps in their, in their, um, in their journey where they have flare ups or they just have, you know, have really horrible days and, and then it gives them a sense of failure. You know, if you're looking at progress towards those goals and um, the daily plan just helps to really optimize success, daily success. And then if the person is feeling successful, even if they're having a flare up, but at the end of the day, you know, you feel, okay, I was a success success today or um, you're more happy with how the day went. I mean, that's going to affect so much right we can we can see the cascade of events if your mood is better and you're feeling better about yourself um, how that can actually influence pain so the daily plan um, basically you tell your patient to take three sheets and on the top of each sheet write down um, one write down respite activities or you could say fun or use whatever word works for that person but they're basically um, fun uh, respite activities or even we could even say like their distraction uh, techniques so we don't always want to do distraction you know that's that's not um, shown to be healthy for long-term benefit of pain management Um, but we know distraction activities or techniques can help temporarily so you have that sheet and then the second one is calming activities and then the third one is challenging activities so you, you may have to work with your patient in filling these out. I find a lot of people have trouble. Um, they, they're good with writing down the challenging ones, but sometimes with the, with the respite and calming, um, you know, they need some guidance. So the respite, for example, could be 
oh, like anything that's fun that distracts you. So maybe listening to music or maybe um, talking to your grandkids on the phone or a best friend. Um, I mean, I don't know if you have more ideas, but you get what I'm saying. Just the, anything that, that, or art, that's one, a lot of people, that's great. Yeah, that really, a lot of people um, put drawing or some sort of art on there. Um, and then the second one for calming, and um, not, I, what I find is most people on this one, they, they have trouble with the calming ones. Some people say hot bath or, um, you know, the others say, oh, I like to go for, like, be out in nature, go for a walk. But then at her, I can't walk, you know, it hurts too much or, you know, so, um, so yeah, so you have to kind of help them and guide them. And, and, um, but with the calming techniques, that's where I really come in, um, because, uh, a few sessions together I can that's where I can give them these techniques so different breathing methods different a body scan or put a guided meditation um, you know there's different apps and stuff and, and of course Neil Pearson's website is phenomenal so many open access resources that I give to my patients I have um, some things as well but so you can pro this is where you may have to really provide your patient with some options of what helps to calm them. Um, and, uh, and then the third, the challenging. So that would be, yeah, whatever, like, well, I, the walking, you know, or cooking, uh, a meal, standing for a period. I mean, you name it. It could be an activity of daily living or it could be, it could be too, the exercises that you've given them. Right. And maybe you, and so this is where maybe you have two different. So maybe you set up a little a, a relaxation program for them. And that's where the yoga is so good at. You can put them in you know, different restorative poses, lots of props with different breathing, and, and they love it, right? And, and oh, that's my go. So that's great, but you, if you just did that, they're not going to get better. And that's what that's, I'm just going to go on a tangent here, if you don't mind. Um, so the yoga, so if you look at any Google yoga for pain, and there's some great stuff, absolutely, but most of it, well, what I've seen, um, it's all the restorative and the calming right calm uh, bump up that parasympathetic nervous system and, and that's great but then what do you do like you can't stop there if you want to improve movement and you have to challenge the system as we know as physical therapists and so this is where um where neil and i come in so we did we finally made like um, these videos he has one video from before and then we made um a few more recently and um you know it can help to then challenge the system so so back to the um so the third so that could be um oh right i was on the this is what i was saying so the as a physio you could you could have your um exercise prescription for them you could do one that was more of calming and whether you're using yoga or not um okay this is what you do when you have a flare-up and then under the challenging one okay here are your exercises that you need to do when you have a good day or these are the tough ones and and then um, or any other on that challenging sheet could be any other activity of daily living like I said it could be just you know cooking making a meal you know cleaning my bathrooms whatever and then so and then what you do you have those three sheets and then you tell the person every single morning when you wake up you write down you make a daily plan and your daily plan is how many units of each one of these do you think you can do? So it's not time-based. It's just you're looking at them as, as units or activities. So if you're having a great day, oh, I'm going to do, you look at your challenging sheet. I think I can do, you know, the, the physical, the exercises that Shelly gave me. And, and I'm going to cook a, a meal 
And I think I could maybe even walk to the mailbox and back and do that 10 minutes. That's how great I feel. And then the calming, I'm just going to do one and the respite, one. And then at the end of the day, they have a success. And then if you, if you flip it, though, um, when they're having a flare-up, they wake up and let's say that whole week is just the worst week ever. Um, they can wake up, look at their daily plan. They look at the respite. And they have options to choose from. Okay, I'm going to do some art today, um, the calming. I'm just going to do that body scan. I'm going to put that CD in. I'm going to have a hot bath. I love the candles. You know, so they're really nurturing themselves. And the challenging, uh, I don't, I'm not going to do any today. There's no way. Or they might just say, well, I think I could maybe make a light lunch for 15 minutes I think and it gives them you can see where this is going it gives them so much power talk about self-management that empowerment and and they love it and it works and you start to see progress you start to and then they're progressing towards their smart goals yeah yeah you're building on successes as opposed to uh you know getting that yo-yoing effect that often happen when you are in uh you know persistent pain yes Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So what I know that one of the things I found find challenging in the clinic is, so, you know, if uh, you say you're with a patient and you're, you know, you're, you're saying, okay, well, let's, you know, engage in some of these calming activities and, and maybe you encourage them to do some, you know, mindfulness breathing or some body awareness exercises. Um, and I often find that um, patients have such a hard time following up in terms of doing that at home because it's one of those things where they feel like they're not doing something right i mean if you're you give them some physio exercises you know they feel like okay i'm I'm making progress i'm actually actively doing something and i I was just wondering if you have any strategies or uh you know tips that you have found uh, have worked to help people to start to integrate some of those calming activities um in their daily life oh that's a golden question um that's great um well this is where the the education the patient education comes in so every, and if we're still kind of talking about the persistent pain population, it works for everyone, but, um, you know, for, for anyone, the patient education is important because you have to make it meaningful. And every single session, I am, I am giving some sort of education on, on pain science or surrounding, you know, the topic. And you just, you have to keep trying and you keep trying. And if they're not compliant or not doing it, you try harder. Um, and you just keep, um, persistent and of course a compassionate way and I think it's you know as practitioners we, we can get burnt out and it's like it's really challenging but that's where the yoga comes in um, because this yoga um, physio yoga combining the two number one you need to practice yourself so my own personal practice has transformed me in the clinic I am patient I am um you know, just I find I'm more compassionate. I feel like I'm resilient to compassion fatigue now, things like that. Anyways, that's an aside. Yeah, it's an aside. But but yeah, and that's a whole. I do a workshop all on that. So maybe we can do another chat on that later. But um, but you had asked. Okay, so tips for so I, I would say patient education um, as to why why we're doing this. You have to keep reminding them. You know these these calming practices and and why. So if they understand pain. You know, if they understand we how why we need to calm that nervous system and and um, you know and the changes that have happened in the nervous system because of persistent pain and how the only way we can change it is by 
you know, we have to, we have to do these calming things. They're, they're usually, I don't usually see a big problem. Um, now the other thing in that though is it has to, it, once the person sees that it works, then they buy into it for lack of a better term, um, buy into it. But, um, so perhaps if they're not compliant or they think, oh, they want to do more and more, something, something's missing there on your part on, on making it salient for them, making it important for them, or they just don't understand, you know, the, the science behind it. So like I said, trying harder, the reason, so some of the tips that I'll, more tips I'll give the physios out there that I'm telling you, Neil Pearson's website, lifeisnow.ca has so many valuable options, uh, resources, valuable resources that you can, that your patients can go on and can use. So that helps them. Um, but yeah, I think education, keep educating them as to why, why, why it's meaningful. And then, oh, this is the other one is find what works for them. So if, if you're doing this body scan that you learned and you're, you're do and it's, well, I need to, I need to be doing something more than that's not maybe for them. Maybe try a different approach a certain breath pattern and so a lot of times it's trial and error and a lot of times what I find is what works with one person a certain breath one and doesn't the other one does it does not work with them at all but something else will work and they love it they love it and it calms and and they don't they don't have an issue um, doing it no they're there if, if anything Andrew I would say I have the opposite problem and that, uh, yeah, they do too many. Well, I shouldn't say too many. They, um, they really get attached to the calming activities. That's what I see. And, you know, you have to, okay, you can do some of these. <laughs> no. But I think that's where the daily plan comes in, right? Cause I mean, I think that, you know, I like that idea of, of mapping those out. So then, you know, it's almost like the menu items that you can, you know, pick off the list and, and start to, you know, shift focus as they, you know, improve or if you, yeah, if you're, if you're finding that they're doing too many of one or not enough of the other. I mean, and it's really up to, you know, and I kind of hesitate after I said that I sort of regretted it because it's not really up to us to say, oh, you did too many of that. Like it's up to them, but what it is up to us is to look at if they're not progressing. So let's, let's say, let's, here's an example. So what I love about the daily plan is that you're giving them the power, right? So they're empowered. So they should um, since, since they are planning it, um, you know, th there's less chance that they're going to say, Oh, I'm, I'm just doing the, too many of this calming stuff. Cause that's, what was your original question, right? Like people get too bored. Oh, I'm not doing anything. Well, they can do whatever they want. They have the daily plan. So here's an example. So they will, um, let's say do too much of the challenging things. Like they'll do their physical therapy exercises three times a day. Okay, so that's what you're saying. Okay, this is an example. Well, here's what will happen, though. They're not going to progress because they're, they're bypassing that, that alarm system. So they're, they're, they're making their nervous system more angry. So the nervous system's going to, it's going to turn up the volume. So they're just going to keep having flare-ups. Um, so they're not going to progress. So that, this is what I mean. It's going to take time. Um, so they're going to have to, maybe they're going to have to see that for themselves. So then, but this is where the patient education comes in. So there's a beautiful, beautiful um, infographic, um, you know, that Neil has on how do you do too much? And there's, there's a little um, alarm, the bell, the alarm system that goes off. 
I don't know if you've seen that. And, um, and the activity, if you bypass that, so if that patient is doing too many of the challenging activities because they think more is better, you, you can show them, you know, on this diagram, that, you know, look what's going to happen. You're going to bypass your alarm system because that those danger signals, you know, it's not taking much for those danger signals to come out to turn on. So you're just going to keep having these flare-ups. And, and if you do too many of the calming activities, then that, that alarm never gets challenged. The nervous system never gets challenged. And you're just going to stay below that alarm, below that bell. And I mean, like I said, with an actual diagram and an infographic, it's, it's beautiful. Like they really get it and they, oh, and sometimes it's just like a light bulb. It's like a switch and they, and they totally get it. Um, so that's why I said one of the first things, it's education. And when, if your education, if it's not working, get help. Like there's, you know, Neil's work and I think Greg Lehman has some stuff down in Toronto. Um, you know, get, get help to help educate. Because uh, we know this, the science, the research is saying that now, right? That, um, uh, the education of pain neurobiology um, helps self-management, helps people manage and reduce their pain. So that's great. No, that's awesome. I mean, I feel like there's a, a number of different tangents we could go, <laughs> go on still today, um, but uh, we may I may have to have you back on the show. We can sort of uh, delve into a few more of these topics. But last question for you is is just in terms of um, you know any courses that you would recommend for physiotherapists that are interested in um, integrating yoga therapy. Uh, into their practice what would you what would you recommend um yeah well i really if you're if people are interested in um um uh, learning more and better managing their um complex patients especially persistent pain i would definitely recommend neil's course um you can go on his site like i said lifeisnow.ca and it's the pain care yoga it's a 3 day module for healthcare professionals and um, and then there's also another three day module, overcome pain, gentle yoga, and and we introduce patients or people that are suffering with persistent pain into that mix. So you get to watch how that is. And I'm teaching those now as well. Um, so they're on my website as well, physioyoga.ca. Um, and if you're really interested in integrating um, yoga into your physio, I would recommend the 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 training, the medical therapeutic yoga training. Um, and that is, that website's proyogatherapy.org. And, and it's, you can browse through that and look at that. And people can definitely email me if they have any questions. Um, the other thing I would say is if you're not quite sure and you don't want to really go heavy into that route yet, you don't want to commit, um, you know, you, you definitely need to practice yoga. So this isn't something um, that you can just take a training and, you know, do it like this is a lifestyle. So that would be my advice is if you're not already, you know, into yoga, um, or if you are start to, you know, dive a little deeper and know it's not just about the poses and the breathing, but there's more to it. So I, I would, I would practice on your own and then you could start, you could dabble and, and sprinkle poses or breathing techniques. So absolutely you can do that without any formal training. Um, but to really do, you know, physio yoga and to, to do it, like that's all I do now, the one-on-one -on -one hour sessions, I, I do recommend the, the formal training. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being uh, on the show here today, Shelly. And it's been great chatting and uh, look forward to having you back in the future. Yes, let's do another one for sure. Hopefully everybody found some value and I wasn't talking in circles too much. No, no, it was great.
Awesome. Okay. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Shelley. To find the show notes for this episode, just head over to the Ignite Physio website at ignitephysio.ca forward slash blog. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to our show on iTunes. And if you enjoy the show, I'd love for you to leave a review so that other physiotherapists can find the show. If you have any questions, topic ideas, or be interested in being a part of the show, just let me know by dropping me a line at hello at ignitephysio.ca. Take care.